Welcome to Virtual Beer, for the first time since forever. My goal for 2021 is to make more stuff, and this is stuff. So from now on, there's going to be at least one new Virtual Beer episode every month. This one is also the first episode that comes with a video. So if you'd rather watch than listen to this conversation, the link for the YouTube video is in the show notes. We do talk about photography, and I'll be showing some photos and photographers we're mentioning in the video as it happens. Welcome to Virtual Beer Podcast. Grab an online drink with fellow creatives. Virtualbeerpodcast.com this is the show where I get white girl drunk and can barely form a sentence, but I always have really great guests and it's better if they get to talk more. My today's guest is somebody I wanted to talk to for a very long time. Uh, her name is Chelsea London. She is a street photographer based in Prague. And if you're a photographer yourself and you're just getting started with a 52 weeks photography challenge, chances are you're getting started with her challenge. Chelsea's work has been featured in different media outlets, including the Czech National Television, she also does photography workshops and she is very active in the photography community on the internet. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Jan. I'm happy to be here finally. Well, I mean, you you, you had like more important things to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. last time, last we spoke, time so. I wouldn't have been able to get white girl drunk with you, so this is better <laughs> anyway. <laughs> How long have you been doing the 52 Weeks Challenge? This is uh, my third year. It's the first year was more like I just kind of posted about it on Instagram and I wasn't very consistent with it. So I got some feedback from people who were actually participating and they were like, well, I really enjoyed it. But, you know, we didn't have that consistent medium going all the time. So the last year I totally rewrote it and um, it's on. So now you can do it on Instagram, Reddit, um, Flickr, Facebook. People email me if they don't like social media. Um, oh, wow. And I added Discord this year, which is a huge, awesome addition. Like, do you have your own Discord or are you like... Yeah, I have a Discord server specifically for this. So, okay. yeah, it's, it's That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And what made you start organizing such a thing in the first place? Well, you know, I... Um, <laughs> It's kind of, my, my photography history is a little strange because um, my parents are both photographers. So I kind of grew up thinking it was normal and it wasn't like a hobby, you know, it was just something people did. Um, and I kind of got away from that when um, I was a little bit older. Uh, after I got married and things, I had to sell all my gear because rent in New York is very expensive. Um, and. Uh, my husband was insanely supportive and he went out and surprised me and bought me a new camera and stuff and said, you should just start doing it again. It's been years. So to get back into it, I started a um, 365-day project by myself. And it was a self-portrait um, project because I wanted to get better at portraits. And I forced myself to take edit and post a picture every single day for 365 days of my own face. It was horrible. I would not recommend it. Um, <laughs> it sounds very intense. intense. Like I, I, I never, I never thought that I personally could do like a 365 Ugh. project because it's just a lot of work. Something smaller, like I've, I've been seeing people doing like a 90 day yeah. projects and stuff. That's like more manageable, I guess. And you could just pick a quarter of a year where you usually have less work. Yeah, exactly. And that was the thought with the 52 week, um, because I thought it, it actually helped a lot because right after I finished it, actually, before I even finished it, my husband and I left 
um, the city and New York. And um, we started traveling full time around Europe. Um, and I finished it like three weeks into our trip. I say trip, but we did it for three years. Um, and um, yeah, a trip, we say. But, you know, it, it did help me to hone all these skills before we left and like remember things that I used to know how to do and um, which made, you know, going into the, the trip uh, a lot easier to deal with. And I felt more confident in my skills and obviously uh, they continued to progress and so on. But it was it was the push I needed, but it was also so mentally training that I would never... I, I really am like very cautious about recommending it to people. I usually say, no, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> Especially not with your own face, because that's terrible. We'll get back to the photo challenges. But first, uh, the show usually starts with a question, what are we drinking and why? <laughs> so what are we drinking? Well, according to my glass, we're drinking Zoiber, but I am not. <laughs> um, that's a Polish beer. I am drinking Bronik which is the cheapest Prague beer. It costs okay. a roughly five year American cents, um, but I like it and it's very inexpensive. So you can get white girl drunk, as you said, for very little money. Okay, I'll be very seasonal. I'm having a spiced apple wine. Wow, someone's fancy. Uh, there's, a re <laughs> there's a really good cider place uh, in Rotterdam. They make their own, but they also import a lot. And uh, they had a Black Friday sale. And that was the only Black Friday sale that I cared about. <laughs> uh, they also closed their like brick and mortar store and you have to go to their like cellar somewhere in the outskirts of the city. So yeah, I'm having a spiced apple wine from uh, Latvia, believe it or oh, not. Uh, Latvia has really good cider. Interesting, I love so. cider. So I'm all about trying that. And what are we cheersing to? Hmm. How about... To the new year. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're off to a good start. Yeah, no, it hasn't been great, really. <laughs> no, so this year's too, maybe it getting better. There's like 12 months, well, 11 and a half months to go. Yeah, so, uh, <sighs> optimism is important. Yeah, yeah optimism. To optimism. To optimism. <laughs> so after all the projects and challenges and stuff, how would you describe your photography style to people who don't know it? Um, yeah, I focus... Um, like you said, mostly on street, I call it documentary travel because sometimes I'll throw in those, um, postcard images that we love so much. Um, but I focus a lot on composition and color. I think most people would associate strong color theory with my photos, I say. Um, but I think, you know, I think that's one of the things that makes my images look like my images. Um, I also come from a, production, a film and television production background. Um, so I use a lot of the techniques and skills I learned then in my photography. So you'll often see like a big shoulder in the foreground out of focus or lots of layering and things like that, which I do on purpose to make it more immersive. So it feels like you're you're there. Yeah, I think foreground is something that people usually don't think about. Like you would, you, you will never um, forget about the middle ground or the background of your photo. Yeah. But like people just overlook foreground, and then in the end, uh, everybody ends up with photos looking too flat. Like yeah. I don't know. I like putting people in plants or sticking stuff in front of my lens. It's, it's also like cool that you've 
mentioned color, like strong colors and color theory in the context of like street photography, because I think for many beginner photographers, mm-hmm. uh, street photography is something, you know, black and white and very grungy yeah. and very like grainy and yeah. stuff. And I think it's, it's great that we have like so many street photographers who really like work with color. Um, uh, you're in that group, of course, but then uh, who's big and does it? Uh, Sixth like, Street Under. Yeah, and Jack, Josh Jack as well. Yeah. Yeah, those two, I think, stand out for color and street for sure as contemporary um, street photographers. Do you have any photography project that you're uh, particularly uh, proud of? Uh, proud of is hard. Um, <laughs> you know, I did one project that got a lot of media coverage, but I wouldn't say that it's like my magnum opus or anything. But I did work on the um, selfies across Europe from 2016, and then it kind of just petered off when I decided I was over it. Um, I think. I, I tend to focus more on small time, uh, small term projects as opposed to the sweeping ones. So, um, like I have maybe this one photo story that was pretty important to me, which was, uh, my actual giving birth that happened in May. Um, so I covered that from labor until the actual delivery. Um, and that was exceedingly challenging and not at all what I anticipated and hoped would come from it. Um, but for me, that was such like a, I knew I wanted to do it. And then the pandemic happened and I gave birth during the pandemic and the, it was all much more difficult than I had anticipated. And I could have just said, nah, I'm not going to do this anymore, but I, I did it. And that, you know, is something that I was proud of. Um, whether or not I got the images that I wanted to is not really important, I think, as far as that one goes. How did you end up with the uh, street photography? Did you have like affinity for it um, from the get-go or did you like fall into it? And if so, how and why? Um, I've always been really into people watching and I think it was just kind of uh, inherent that I take pictures of what I see and I'm often in the streets. <laughs> I come by, I've lived in cities pretty much my whole life with mm-hmm. a couple stints in the suburbs. Um, so it's not like a deliberate decision I made where I was like, oh, I'm going to get into street photography. It just kind of happened naturally. Um, I look back at pictures I took like in high school when I would take trips places and they're essentially street photography without even realizing it. So I can't tell you that it was like I was inspired and went for it. <laughs> it kind of just happened. So, okay. Not an interesting answer. I'm sorry. No, I mean no. It's it's like perfectly <laughs> fine. I think uh, we all kind of like evolve and fall into our interests. Like I dabbled in like different kinds of photography. I even did like fashion at some point. It was like super fun. Yeah. But regarding like photography in places, I think many people, especially thanks to Instagram, yeah. um, start with you know like typical like travel stuff by which i mean just photographing you know buildings and i lived Mm -hmm. in amsterdam so like canals and canal houses all the way yeah and then at one point um i mean i do know some people who got big doing it so they kept doing it but for Mm -hmm. me personally i also know like uh, a lot of people who kind of like grew out of it because eventually you just want to take photos of something else 
Yeah, yeah I think um, there's like everyone has their own viewpoint, and when you start taking a thousand pictures of a canal and it looks <laughs> like somebody else's picture of a canal, yeah. you know, you have that moment where you're like, well, this one's mine, and you love it, but then you you want to say, well, what what can I do differently about this? What do I see different about this? And I think that leads to street photography or documentary photography pretty pretty easily. For people who are um, taking part in your 52 weeks challenge, street photographers, or do you see other types of work? Oh, you see everything. Um, I would say it's probably street photography would be the minority. Um, you see a lot of macro, which is fun because I don't do macro at all. Okay. Um, yeah, so that one's fun. I often see um, a lot of like toy photography, macro toy photography. Um, <laughs> and then there's a lot of beginners who are just exploring everything. So they'll do portraits one week, you know, florals or, you know, and they'll try a little bit of everything to figure out what they like sparks with them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty diverse group, um, which is, I think, the best thing about it. So otherwise you end up in your little Club. Yeah, yeah. And you, don't you end see up in a bubble, else. and then you don't yeah. even like evolve. Yeah, because exactly. if you're stuck in a bubble with people at your own level, uh, yeah. you, you're never exposed to anything, anything else, else. I guess. Yeah, exactly. I think the first time you you organized a 52 weeks challenge, um, it was also like a very good timing because there was another 52 weeks challenge that ran for a couple of years, and then it yeah. stopped. I think it was like dogwood photography from oh, somewhere dogwood. In, yeah, yeah. They, i didn't know it stopped to be honest no it was oh, literally so the first going. time I, yeah. I realized that you were doing a challenge i yeah. actually wanted to join the dogwood challenge yeah and it wasn't there so oh, well that's the timing for me then <laughs> <laughs> the fact that your challenge like worked and attracted people just means that people want something like that and yeah there, there are not many like photo challenges out there you know for photo 365 you can just start it whenever you want but if you want like structure or or anything what has changed since your like first challenge in the mean i mean you you said that the first one was maybe like a bit less organized and like it was fun and stuff but like um otherwise uh, do you think uh, you've uh, learned something from organizing the challenges and and and, and what is it yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the first one wasn't structured at all. It was more like, okay, what should the prompt be this week? I would sit on the couch with my husband and be like, oh, what should it be this week? It was this last week. Did I do that like before? You know, and it was just kind <laughs> of free form because I didn't really expect it to be anything. It was more just like my own thing that a few people were kind of following along and doing as well. Um, but I got really good feedback at the end from somebody who did the whole thing and he was like it was really great but there were some things like sometimes you didn't post one and it was like i joined this because i wanted to see what you would do um and then he was like you know sometimes you wouldn't post it until wednesday but i expected it on monday and some of the prompts are really hard and i needed more than a week to think about oh wow so all of that yeah i took all of that and i was like okay so how do i change this so i wrote the whole schedule for the year um and posted it this is week one, this is week two, this is week three um, for the second year. And that way people were able to see it, A, so that they could brainstorm for weeks out if they needed to, and B, in case I dropped the ball <laughs> for any reason. Um, and I wasn't able to like put up the announcement post. They still had access to it elsewhere yeah. and they knew what it was. Um, but then the prompts themselves, I shifted quite a bit as well. I, I Instead of just whatever comes to my head, 
I organize them in a way that they build off of one another. So if you're a straight beginner, you're learning like a pretty straight task and then you're going to be able to, okay, well now I know how shutter speed works. So because I was supposed to show motion. So, okay, what can I do to stop motion? Oh, the other, you know, things like that. And then I included um, quarterly, I included photographer spotlights because one thing I find is that a lot of new photographers don't know any photographers um, maybe they know Instagram photographers or YouTube photographers. That's what we're they, exposed to. Yeah, exactly. And it's not their fault. I don't, you know, so I wanted to be able to say, well, have you heard of Henri Cartier-Bresson or, you know, like, <laughs> have you met Ted? Yeah. Um, so, so I did that and I included some photographers that I really liked. Um, and I wanted to not just, here's a white man. Like, so I put in, you know, I made sure that there was, women as well and people from different countries and different ethnic backgrounds because I thought that was important because their voice is so different. Um, so I took a lot of thought into that. Um, and this year with that, I did one different thing for the last photographer spotlight. I asked them to find somebody that they're inspired by because I found that my inspiration is, is, you know, <laughs> maybe a little heavy handed on documentary and, and street type photographers and certain kinds of portrait photographers. And I wanted people to be able to explore and say, well, I really like this person that you have never even mentioned. So yeah. I thought that was important. So I made those big changes and I made it. So you have to set a goal and then we check back at the goal halfway through. And then we check back at the goal at the end as well. So it's, it's much more, structured that sounds like a very good like photography education i hope so Um, (laughs) but just to make it clear you're doing this for free people are not paying Mm -hmm. to participate right no it's free but what's in it for you (laughs) i have to be like that's a great capitalist here (laughs) what is in it for me well i'm not a capitalist so that helps um no i really enjoy the community over the competition and you said that earlier and that that phrase is so important to me um (laughs) <laughs> I'm not rich. <laughs> I can't, you know, I really can't afford to be doing this for free. But um, to me, it's it's important that people have a place that they can talk about their photography in a judgment-free zone because mm-hmm. the, the internet is just such a wash of negativity and I'm better than you and I'm going to tell you why I'm better than you. And I hate that more than <laughs> that's anything. That's like every, every other online course about anything. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's so backwards. And I, I like people learning. I like to teach people and I like to learn as they're learning. So I don't see myself as the end all be all knowledge portal. Um, I see it as like a give and take. So, you know, by having all these other people involved, it also keeps me on the ball and keeps me doing it because otherwise I wouldn't, I would just sit on the couch with my cat. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I think it's, a, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work, but I think there's, there's some benefits to it in my personal photography and also in trying to help the community, which is something I believe in so corny i'm gonna take a drink virtual beer so yeah as we were getting ready for the show we uh, talked about the concept of community over competition and how that used to be what instagram was about and 
<laughs> now it's like anything but. But you're also very active uh, in the uh, photography community on the internet. I always see you on the uh, photography subreddit, um, for example, which like for me is has always been very intimidating, to be honest. What's your experience been like uh, being a photographer on the internet? Yeah, that's such a loaded question. Um, <laughs> um, well, so I moderate our photography and our really? photographs. I do. Okay, I just like, thought you were like a very active No, like user. three years now. Um, it's So I was super intimidated by it as well. I'm like, a le- I think today or tomorrow is my 11-year cake day, which is Whoa. so nerdy to say out loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, and I was super intimidated by our photography forever. Um, but they had these community threads once a week where you could just like say whatever. And I started posting in there um, when I started to feel a little bit confident with my life. And I was getting good feedback and also, you know, constructive feedback, which was super helpful and not at all intimidate people were just kind of welcoming and i actually made some pretty like i would call them friends good friends from that from that really small tiny subset of our photography um and then they had said something about you know there was one of those massive blow-up posts where it's like well this suburb is terrible and somebody was like well you know we all live in america what are we supposed to do you know there's all this time and i was like well i live in europe i can help And they said, yeah, let's, you, you come help. So that's when I started moderating. Oh, so the uh, time difference yeah. it was actually played yeah. the, play the part. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I was their European moderator um, for a while, just me. Um, but for me, the thing that happened there was the community threads went away. Um, it was so like gear centric and I don't, I mean, I can swear this, right? Or, yeah. I don't give a shit about gear. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was not interested. Um, so when I got on I the mean, team, gear I was like, helps. Yes, let's not, not pretend saying, it doesn't. No, no, I, we won't get into that right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I, I don't not give a shit. I give very few shits about it. Uh, let's say it like that. Um, I don't like talking about it that much is all. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I was, you know, when I got on the moderator team, I was like, guys, you know, it was really good before. We had this um, community threads um, every week. Those were great. And then I also had started, before I was mod, I started the print swap thing where people would send prints to each other um, via the subreddit. And that was, um, again, something that was way too much work to not be paid for, um, which just seems to be a running theme in my life. Um, but yeah, so my whole goal was to try to get the community back because I felt like it was, it was so instrumental for me getting better at what I was doing. And, um, so I got the community threads back and I'm not going to say I single-handedly did all this stuff. Obviously it's a team and they work really hard, um, as well. So we worked together to try to, you know, it's, it's not perfect. It's still not there. There's a lot of negativity in reddit in general um which everybody knows so i try my best not to add to that <laughs> and to take some of that away so i try to show up in the community threads and like be welcoming to people who are new or you know maybe are a little intimidated because i was forever for probably like six years <laughs> um before i dove in um yeah It's a pretty long-winded way of saying, you know, I think that the community is important and it is 
it's a work in progress. Um, it's definitely a work in progress, but there's potential there for, for you to find good communities in these otherwise toxic environments. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be the case. It should be the other way around, but that's not the reality. Of this sounds internet. like a good like life lesson. You can find good people in shitty places. Apart from Reddit, you are active in a lot of places. Mm. And what's your favorite? Mm. Like, if you're a photographer who wants to find community online, apart from our photography, um, mm. where should you... Like, I've been struggling with this question myself, honestly, because yeah. uh, for years, I've only been on Instagram. And right. I'm not really sure where is it going. Like, I still like it. But the yeah. sheer amount of different formats and specs... Uh, is bewildering and it really like requires requires you to approach it as a job almost right yes, um, yes but then i tried like getting on Flickr, and then it seems like nobody's there even though many people online talk about it then i try to go to i mean i've I, i've had a 500px profile since yeah. like 2009 Uh, but I'm not really active there and I feel the engagement is there, but then I'm not sure the community is there. Uh, It's a mess. Like what? It's a total mess. Yeah. It's a total mess. Um, I've been on Flickr since 2004. um, Cause like I said, my parents were photographers. So my mom got us all pro accounts when I was a teenager. That's amazing. Uh, So, yeah. Um, So I've had a pro account since 2004 on Flickr. And I think like back in the day, it was a better community, but it also skews in a very specific kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Demographic. It's, you know, I think that you can find the communities if you try hard enough, but, but the general overwhelming community there is maybe, um, a little less contemporary. I'm trying to be really diplomatic here. Even though I think if you're into like something very niche, like um, yeah. uh, a particular film stock, if you're into yes. film photography, that's for example, for like that's amazing. Cause like yeah. the, the smaller yeah. communities there are like yeah. very, very niche. So my favorite film stock is Kodak Ektar, and uh, there's a group for it on Flickr, which is is, like the only place I know of online where uh, you can go and like post, you know, just the photos taken with that film and talk about it. I love that about it. Yeah, that's the best thing. And like, if you're looking at a new lens, you can go and search pictures just by that lens and stuff. And that's really super helpful. The discussion just isn't there. Like my, I have a 52 weeks group on Flickr and I stopped posting the (laughs) like discussion after like week 30 because nobody said anything. So they posted the pictures and then they would discuss on Reddit or they would discuss on Facebook or or somewhere else. Um, So I just, so you could argue the people on Flickr who do want to engage in a discourse are also somewhere else. Yeah. I I would argue that. Um, And I think like 500, I don't know if we say PX or pics, but I feel like them, um, you know, for me, I feel like the, the engagement is disingenuous because you, you post a picture and like 20 seconds later, they're like, oh, you rising. Oh, this is like the number one like, picture honestly, right now. I, think it's, I, like, uh, yeah, no, I don't it's think it's, it's, it's not like genuine. I think 
there is an algorithm there basically yeah. that yeah. works better than the Instagram algorithm. Cause like within hours of posting it, you can be like, Oh, your photo is popular or something. And then right. you're suddenly on the front page and stuff. Like if Instagram's algorithm worked like that, I definitely wouldn't mind. Uh, but there's also like a particular type of, of, of photos that mm -hmm. uh, yeah. performs well on yeah. 500 Not PX. <laughs> <laughs> Usually if it's yeah. like HDR landscape or yeah. uh, boobs. I mean, I think that the best communities are always going to be the local ones. Like I started a street photography collective in Prague um, and you know, you meet not now, obviously, but we would have meetings like once a month and, you know, photo walks and things like that. I think you're always going to get the most meaningful feedback and community from people who are with you the whole time. Like they, mm -hmm. they know what your goals are. They know what you want to do. And the anonymity of the internet is just obviously <laughs> going to bring out the worst in people. <laughs> so I've had like several experiences with local photo clubs and I don't know. I can't take it seriously if it's yeah. um, comprised of people still thinking that selective desaturation is a good thing. Well, this is why I made my own club. <laughs> oh, that's the that's the catch. All right, yeah. all right. Good you to know. Yeah. <laughs> that might be one of my post uh, lockdown <laughs> projects then. Mm -hmm. But speaking of uh, being on the internet as a photographer and like finding community, um, several years ago, but because like we've been following each other on Instagram for a very long time, yeah, both long time of now. us uh, went through a period when we like blocked half, yes. if not two thirds of our followers on Instagram. Yes. And many people thought we were crazy. So they did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I still get emails about that asking why I did that. Really? Like two, yeah, two days ago, I got a, I got a message and somebody was like, um, I saw your work like two years ago and you had 14,000 followers and now you have 4,000. <laughs> what went wrong? And yeah. I was like, nah, yeah, really get into this? <laughs> what went wrong? What was your, like, I think we had like similar motivation, but I've never yeah. talked about mine. So let, let's, yeah. let, let's talk about that. Uh, personally, I did it. Um, there were like several factors. I used Instagram as an extension of my portfolio back in the day. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I did a lot of, um, lifestyle portraits and couples and i mean yep. also a lot of touristy things that i don't really care about doing anymore <laughs> yep. um uh and at one point i had a gay engagement yep. um and i was really happy with the photos and i shared them and then i ended up having to delete hate comments mm. like and most wow. of those people were my followers and i'm like i'm gay myself how yeah. did you how have you not like yeah. picked it up that's how it started yeah. and then i realized yeah. um i had a lot of fake followers yeah. or even like people who followed you you know like back in 2012 yeah. and then yeah. like stopped using it and i'm like okay you're probably Why not gonna you or yeah. you're probably you know making a new instagram account if you do decide to come back so yeah and then i just started uh, blocking people and like removing them and stuff and uh, yeah I was like 10 point something and I went to like 6.3 which is roughly where I'm at right now uh, I do regret uh, <laughs> having lost the uh, swipe up function yes, in my stories because yeah. as a person who makes a lot of Content. different things online I, I, I do want to share it with my followers and i think that like the link in bio concept is oh, yeah so kind of stupid yeah. so yeah. um yeah those were my reasons what were yours 
Very similar. Um, so I I started in on Instagram in like 2010, 2011, like when they were brand new. And I was living in Germany at the time. Um, so it was just kind of like nonsense iPhone snaps. And then I moved back to America and it was again like nonsense. It was more like Facebook for me at the time. Um, and then when I started like doing things more seriously around 2016, that's when I started gaining all those followers. I got a whole bunch after one picture that I took, which is actually hanging on my wall over there of Paris <laughs> that kind of blew up on Reddit um, and then blew up everywhere else. And I'm still having to like get lawyers <laughs> for it. It's just one photo. What? It's like, <laughs> yeah, because people are constantly stealing it. So that that's what where the explosion started, and then um, I got up to like 14, and I was still traveling full time with my husband at the time, and I started to notice that it was like really weighing on my mental health. Like I would be upset if I didn't post something that day, and I was like, oh no, I need to post a picture. Oh, I need to make sure I'm using the right hashtags. Oh, and I was getting creepy PMs all the time, and like I mean, I I'm a woman on the internet; it's inevitable yep. anyway. But it was almost like asking for more of them and then also getting like the oh we have leggings can we send you leggings and then you <laughs> like i don't know who they thought i was i was like do you see one photo of me on my entire instagram feed no so no i don't want your leggings um and then so after that i took like a break and i didn't post anything for like two months three months and when i came back um this was right around when you did it i you know i went through my followers and a lot of them were like nail salons in the Ukraine and car dealerships in Bulgaria because I spent like a month in these places and I was like oh, I don't, that's amazing. you know I was like I'm not going to get my nails done in Ukraine anytime soon I'm not you know I'm not buying a car in Bulgaria so I started going through and getting rid of those first I mean you, you never round. know <laughs> you never know I mean I do spend time over there it's fair but yeah, so I went through and I got rid of those first. And then I started getting rid of like the dead accounts. And then I went through and I was like, okay, these people are obviously anyone that I didn't like recognize right away or couldn't like tap on and see, oh, okay, that's a photographer. Or oh, okay, that's somebody that lives in, you know, back in New York or whatever. I kind of just was like, get out of my life. Um, so I went from 14 to like 2,300. Um, I, yeah, I so really you've grown, like you, you've doubled since, right? I have, yeah, I'm at, I don't know. Like, I think I'm at like four, 4,000 something right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the 52 weeks project helped with that, regrowing it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, Jan, like two weeks ago, I decided I wasn't even going to use hashtags anymore. I'm so over <gasps> it. Yeah, I know. Oh, gosh, <laughs> me. Um, Oh, no. I'm only using my own hashtags now and like locations. Um, I just decided that it's not worth the hustle for me. I'm not, I'm not interested in that anymore. Um, so that's that's where we are. I do miss the swipe up just like you do because that would be nice. I think it's really plus so many people have fake 10,000 and they get the swipe up. It's almost as if they're encouraging you to buy fake it's followers, because like, which, yeah. which is ridiculous, because because it yeah. does like bring your engagement down and stuff. But like, yeah, if you exactly. want to swipe up, then yeah, yeah. Oh, that's weird. Uh, where do you we think are. where do you think Instagram's going? And do you think anything will like mm -hmm. replace it? I was very enthusiastic about Vero, and then it like flopped. Even though I do follow a couple of people who are still actively using it 
it's such a fickle thing because I'm old now. I'm in my mid thirties and like, <laughs> That's I don't old. Understand. Okay. Yeah, I'm super old now. I don't. Really I mean, I don't understand, understand TikTok. TikTok. Yes. <laughs> so, so there we are. <laughs> Even though I, I do mean, understand it, but I do think I understand um, it, but I don't understand it. It, 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 it would require so. it would require a lot of like focus and dedication. Yeah. And I yeah. think if you're a photographer on TikTok, what everybody seems to do are like fo- photo hacks, like, you know, yeah. things you can fit in like fi- a 15 second 15 video. Yeah. And oh, then wow. there's only so many videos I can see about uh, yeah. shove your iPhone in front of your lens oh. to create a reflection. I mean, I do it, but I don't <laughs> want <laughs> to broadcast it. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I maybe it's a little get off my lawn, but like I went to film school and I'm super bitter that I had to learn on these like chunky machines and chunky cameras and spend hours in the editing bay and all this stuff. And they can just do it in like five seconds on TikTok. I'm super bitter. It's not the same level. It's not the same level. Like it all depends what you, (laughs) no, but I think it all depends on like, who's your audience and like, what do people expect? If you see like a, an Instagram reel or a TikTok video, you don't really expect that good of a production quality. Like same goes for, for for vine rest in peace even though there were a couple of people there who were really doing um i wouldn't call them like advanced edits but like very thoughtful edits with very deliberate camera placement and stuff so there was some like craft there but for a tiktok video like let's be honest it's usually one take with a lot of jump cuts and yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I don't have the attention span for it. I don't watch YouTube videos or TikTok. I just, it's odd to say you don't have the attention span for something that's, <laughs> that's 15 super seconds short. Long. Yeah. But like, maybe I'm just really old school, but I'd rather sit down and like watch television. <laughs> I'm so aging my, but Interesting, yeah, I mean, but uh, I, I think I, I treat I YouTube as television, really. Because I, I watch it, I watch it on my Apple TV that. hooked up to mm-hmm. a big TV in my TV. living room. Yeah, me too, uh, but I just I don't. And it's I like, don't I don't know. It's like, because uh, what I follow are mostly like cooking channels and or like oh, yeah. very yeah. niche like photography channels. Sure. And I literally treat it as, as Netflix. Sure. Just, no, you know, I the understand. content is different. I, but, I get it. I just don't get it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. my husband's the same way. Like, he, he watches YouTube like normal, like a normal person. But, like, I just don't. And I don't know, like, any of the YouTube YouTubers that, like, the photography online community talks about. Like, they throw out names and, like, everyone's, especially the yeah. analog community. Yeah. So I'm, because I think I it's smaller. Film. It's smaller yeah. than. Yeah, I shoot film. I love shooting film. I have no idea what these people on our analog or IR analog circle here are talking about half the time. I have no idea. <laughs> There's like one guy they always talk about, and I was like, I'm Who are they talking about, really? I don't know. Some guy with like a beanie and he always carries it around his neck. Maybe he shoots Leica. I don't know his name, Uh, but there's always like, (laughs) that sounds like all of them. That sounds like all of them. I like, I like, uh, I forgot what's his name. I like grainy days. He looks like, and I'm going to quote somebody else on YouTube. Um, he looks like a depressed Walmart, Ryan Gosling. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the Maybe style, that's the the style of his videos is really really fun because it's like very okay. i wouldn't like call it edgy but like there's like mm-hmm. one joke every two sentences and they're oh, all like okay. kind of dark better. and stuff and i yeah I, I 
and I like his work. So uh, it's it's fun usually. But uh, yeah, I just um, don't have the attention span to find the people I like. I guess is what it is. You're actually in a really good place to start a YouTube channel because wow. whenever like a, a more recent um, successful. YouTuber gives an interview. They always they're always like, yeah, I didn't even watch YouTube. I didn't know what a <laughs> vlog was. I just wanted to share things. So, um, like, yeah, theoretically, I think you're in a good place because you don't have any point of reference. No, that's <laughs> fair. Yeah. I mean, stuff. I don't. Yeah, I, I have been told to do it, and I just I don't know. I I'm like the worst film school graduate in the universe because like <laughs> I worked in TV for like ten years and I worked in film, and now I have I don't even like to make videos for myself anymore i don't not even like you know when i'm traveling around i never take video so i don't know what that is maybe it's like old bitter film school kid nonsense or something or you're just having to find something that will make you like passionate enough yeah or I'm to... just really lazy. Oh, that might I'm be sure it. That. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, I always thought I'd be ma- like making documentaries, and here I am drinking with people on video chat. <laughs> so, virtualbeerpodcast.com. You've also organized uh, workshops that were like live in Prague, and then you moved them online when the lockdown began. Right. Um, how did that go? Like the transition from sitting in a room with people to not Not. (laughs) how did how did that work out it was it was slightly it was motivated on a couple of things um first i like giving workshops um but also like you i did a lot of um tourist travel photos so people would come to Prague and i take pictures of them and now i couldn't have that because there are no tourists so it was another way to kind of get some of my income back um but it was actually I think the most challenging thing is that my in-person workshops are very hands-on and we're usually out in the field and, you know, um, trying to translate that into a virtual setting, um, was a little tricky and, um, it took a little bit of trial and error, but I included, um, you know, little hands-on practices halfway through that we would come back and talk about. Um, and the, the benefit of this kind of like a zoom, you know, workshop is that we were getting people from all over. So I'd have people in Australia and Europe and America all in the same workshop. So the frame of references were so different that they would bounce off of each other really well. And we can learn from each other as opposed to everyone, you know, being from the same place. Um, and my, my workshops tend to be very discussion based anyway. So I like to have a chat as opposed to just me talking at people. Um, So that was a really good forum for that because the people that wanted to talk could be, you know, could do so. And the people that wanted to kind of sit back and be more quiet, they're able to do that without anyone really even noticing. Um, And the groups are really small. I don't take more than 10 people in a workshop so that it is able to like... Oh, even though they're online and you could, theoretically. I could, yeah. But I like the... This goes back to the community thing. I like the being able to talk to each other and if you have more than 10 people it starts to get really frantic and then you can't really it would be me instead of me facilitating um a conversation it would be me talking at people and lecturing so it's the difference between like in college being in a seminar and being in a lecture hall and i don't want to be in a lecture hall i'm not a professor so (laughs) specifically so um 
I use what we call the Socratic method, um, which is, you know, asking questions to elicit answers and elicit more questions. And I think that's one of the best ways to learn. Um, and for, I think the, the thing is, there's so many different types of learning styles and I'm going to get into my like teaching background. There's so many different types of learning styles, but I feel like the Socratic method is a way that you can help everybody to, to get there. Even if the person is a visual learner versus a kinesthetic, like touching has to do something, um, by asking questions and eliciting a conversation, it, it helps everybody to get something out of what's happening. So yeah, I have these small groups. Um, I'm doing a couple more. I haven't done them since August. Yeah. I think August was the last ones cause I had my son and he, you know, I did some other stuff. But I opened up some other ones this month. So I'm actually really excited to get back into them um, and do them again more regularly. So a lot of fun. So how regularly are we talking about? Right now I have one a week starting oh, wow. next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so. how can people sign up for them? So they can write through my website, um, clondon.me slash learn, um, or just clondon.me, and there's a big learn button at the top. Um, you'll find all the information about the different topics. There's four different topics. And then you'll see a calendar. Um, I try to do the times at times that are convenient for the most amounts of people because I'm in Europe. <laughs> Is there such a time? <laughs> no, there isn't. Um, but as I'm in Europe and a lot of my followers and you know so on are in America, I tend to do them later in the day for me. So it's the middle of the day for them. You know, I try as best I can. <laughs> and what are the uh, the topics you you cover? Yeah, there's four different ones. Um, the the there's visual storytelling, which focuses a lot on um, street and documentary, but also ethics of photography, as well as how to tell a story through an image through things like mise-en-scene and um, other nonsense film school things that I pull out. Um, and then there's a uh, scene like a photographer, which is a bit more of like an overview. So we talk a little bit about color. We talk a little bit about composition. We talk a little bit about storytelling. Um, then there is compositional guidelines, which I have a blog post about compositional guidelines that a lot of people have read, but this kind of goes past that and talks about some of the lesser known ones. So we don't really talk about rule of thirds, you know, we'll talk about rule of odds or, you know, things like that. And when it's appropriate to use rule, these guidelines and when it's better to ignore them. Um, and then there's color theory, which is my favorite thing on the planet. Um, so if you like to listen to people ramble about color for two hours, you know where to go. So I mean, I do. Is. So yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> I might drop by. I have a stupid like sidebar question. How much do you struggle with SEO having the name that you have? A lot. I mean, you made a name for yourself in the meantime, but uh, I still get a map of London. So. Yeah. Um, it's funny, too, because my last name is Phillips. London is my middle name. If you search my full name, you used to get Sean Wright Phillips because he played for Chelsea Football Club. Um, <laughs> so that was fun for a while. Um, it's It's getting better. It's actually, you know... The one thing that I think is really funny is I often get tagged in Cipriani London posts. Uh, Cipriani is a, a restaurant chain that are in New York and there's in London as well. Um, and they're one in London they call Sea London. So that's fun because people will tag me in the food. 
And they're like, oh, I had this wonderful night out at Sea London. And I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I, was, I was watching Parks and Rec. So, like, I don't people know what you were go, People would go to your, like, tag posts on Instagram and think you're a really good cook. <laughs> 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 oh I'm my god that's amazing yeah. i mean you were there first right mm-hmm. so yeah. they should change the name not you that's right <laughs> that's that's a battle i don't want to get into <laughs> <laughs> all right and apart from um uh, uh where can people yeah. also find you on the internets um i'm c london everywhere so instagram is c london reddit is c london um facebook is c london photography i think um venmo no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) paypal you know (laughs) paypal no no um yeah i mean you can find me at c london and if you want to send you know email is chelsea at c london not me you know i'm pretty pretty easy to find on the internet which is (laughs) terrifying which is a blessing and a curse yeah exactly but then people who you definitely don't want to find you won't because they're usually too stupid so So, while i was living in serbia they were switching between the military's like mandatory for everyone and it's not but you should do community service and blah blah however when I was like coming of age, it was mandatory and I was supposed to go mm-hmm. and register and I never did that. And they've been like looking for me at wrong addresses <laughs> for years. Whereas if they just Googled and like, I'm not keeping a, a low profile. Like I hosted a show on a national radio station. You can <laughs> Google my name and find me like immediately. They never oh. did. So oh. uh, I don't know yeah. how I feel about like Serbian <laughs> government looking for me. I, I mean, they're probably you know. not. Uh, there are more important people out there, but that's uh, true. It is true. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, <laughs> my mother would uh, like text me, "Hey, you got another letter from the military." And I'm, mm, okay, yeah, they could have googled. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Virtual Beer. I hope you had fun. Thanks for having me. I did. Do you have like any particular goal that you're personally striving for this year? It can be professional. It can be photography. You can just say, <laughs> I'm trying I mean, to uh, finish my 52 weeks challenge. No. Yeah, there we go. There we go. I'd like to actually finish it. Um, yeah. I'd like to not make goals. That's. Right. I'd like to be less type A about things. That's I my goal. I think my only goal is to post weekly on YouTube. I mean, you're That's not going to watch. But <laughs> no, I won't. But somebody will. I mean, my husband will watch it. There you go. Yeah, precisely. All right. Well, um, thanks for joining me once again. Yeah, thank you. And if you like this, so you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts or like this video and subscribe to my YouTube channel. All the relevant links will be in the description, aka show notes, if you're in your podcast player right now. See you.